Luke in my personal Bible study, and there it was, chapter 9, verse 51. Now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. It was the first but not the last time that Luke would describe Jesus as setting his face for Jerusalem. And this is what it occurred to me that morning as I was studying the Bible. It means that if at the end of Luke chapter 9, Jesus made the decision, now it's time. Now it's time to go to Jerusalem. That means that you have to read the entire uh, second two-thirds of the gospel of Luke, recognizing that's what's going on. Everything he said, everyone he met, everything he did, all of it has to be understood in the context of the fact that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Now, understand, that doesn't mean to go for a particular feast, to be a part of a particular sacrifice. What it means is this. From the ninth chapter on, Jesus is intentionally heading toward the cross. Everything has to be understood in the light of the saving purpose of Jesus. This is why I am on my way. It's important, I think, to realize all that had been taking place when Jesus made that decision. Luke chapter 9 is an incredible passage of Scripture. So many things take place between the beginning and the end of Luke chapter 9. Peter had answered Jesus' question, Who do you say that I am? By declaring, You are the Christ of God. Jesus had challenged his followers, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus had carried Peter and James and John up on the mountain, and there he was transfigured before them, and they saw him as he really was. And he had come down from the mountain and there had been that father with his little boy who had been possessed by a demon and nobody had been able to help him until Jesus spoke the word and set that little boy free. And Jesus had said to his disciples, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. So much had taken place. Jesus knew what going to Jerusalem meant. He meant it meant it was a journey to Golgotha. It was a journey that would culminate in an empty tomb and that would be completed at the ascension. Jesus would endure the cross, the agony of becoming the sacrifice for sin, the desolation of the Father's absence. Until the third day, he would experience death, hell, and the grave. And then he would rise again. Knowing that all of those things were true, Jesus set his face to go to Jerusalem. How could he be willing to endure what was to come? And Luke 9 gives us the answer. He endured because he knew what would happen before it was finished. He would go home, or as Luke described it, the time had come when he would be received up. 
Jesus understood I'm headed to Jerusalem and I'm going to endure. I'm going to go through the cross. I'm going to endure the agony. I'm going to know the absence of the Father. I'm going to give my life away. I'm going to rise again. And when it's all done, and I get to go home again. I get to go back to the Father. So this year, as we begin our own journey toward Easter, I want us to join Jesus as he describes that journey in Luke. Along the way, we're going to meet people that Jesus met. We're going to hear things that Jesus taught. We're going to hear his promises and his challenges and his warnings. And I want us to remember that all of it takes place in the looming shadow of the cross. And remember this, and the promise is worth the price. You might want to ask the question, so once Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem, what happened next? What was the first thing he did when he had made this decision, now is the time to begin the process of death and resurrection? Well, the answer is there were three men who considered following Jesus. And the Lord confronted each of them with a critical question. Each one of these men had to make a decision about his own life and about whether he was willing to do what it was going to take to follow the Lord wherever Jesus led. So this morning I want us to take a look at those three questions because those critical questions that Jesus asked those three men are the same questions that hang in the air where your life is concerned and where my life is concerned. So let's look together. The first man came and Jesus asked him the question, are you ready to count the cost? Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Here's a man who is impulsively excited about the idea of following Jesus. You know, Luke 9 tells us so many things. I didn't tell you everything else that took place in that passage. And this man was probably part of some of it. And as he experienced it, he began to be excited about, about the idea, I'm going to follow Jesus. You see, he might have been part of a crowd when Jesus fed the 5,000. That had just taken place. He could have been there. When Jesus cast the demon out of the little boy and seen the wonder of the crowd, maybe he had heard the disciples describe the things they had witnessed when they returned from being sent out two by two because that happened in Luke 9 as well. Whatever it was, one thing was sure, this man wanted to be part of it all. This is exciting. I am seeing incredible things and I just want to be a part of it because every day I want to be just as excited as today has been. This is how Jesus responded to that man who so impulsively came forward and said, I just want to be a part of this, Jesus. I'll follow you anywhere you lead. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Kind of confusing, isn't it? Kind of a downer. Here came this man and he's all excited about the idea of following Jesus. And 
Jesus seems to just kind of put cold water on all that excitement. You need to understand something before you follow me. Foxes have somewhere to sleep at night. Birds have somewhere to stay. I don't have any of those things. I can't promise you that tomorrow is going to be easier than today. All I can promise you is this. You have to be ready if you're going to follow me. Understand, he didn't tell this man not to follow. Jesus had come to seek and to save that which was lost. He would never tell anyone to turn away. Jesus came to call everyone to repentance and salvation. Instead, Jesus told him to count the cost before he made his commitment. That's really what Jesus was saying to this impulsive man. Before you jump in without really thinking about what you're doing, I want to know, are you ready to count the cost? He needed to know that following Jesus is not only for the times when it's exciting. It's not just about when everybody else is fired up about following Christ. It is a commitment for a lifetime. If you're going to follow me, you need to know you're making a long-term commitment to follow Jesus Christ. He needed to know that following him was not just about the easy times. It's also about the hard times. Essentially, what the Lord was asking him was this. Will you still be willing to follow me when you're all alone? When you look around yourself and nobody else is following when you look to one side and the next and realize other people had counted the cost and decided they were not willing to pay it, and there you are all by yourself. It's the same question Christ is asking us today. Are you willing to go the distance? Are you willing to commit your life to me and follow me for the rest of your earthly life? Or are you going to turn around when the going gets tough. One of the things that Jesus wants to say to all of us when we make that decision, I want to follow you, is, is this a lifetime commitment? Is this something that you are willing to do? You start it today and you carry it on for the rest of your life, not just when it's easy and not just when it's exciting, but sometimes when it's challenging and sometimes when it's downright hard, are you willing to go the distance? This past Thursday night, Judith and I, I almost said Jesus and I was using your name. It's pretty impressive. Sometimes she's about as close as I get to being around the Lord. Sometimes not, but we'll not go there. I think I better move on. Thursday night, Judith and I finally got to go see that film, The Jesus Revolution. What an incredible film. If you haven't seen it yet, you make some time. Now, Sheila tells me you go to see it in Vestavia because they have the most comfortable seats. We didn't go to the comfortable seat place. We went to the one close to the house. But my word, what an incredible film. It's a story about what the Lord did in the early 70s. When all of a sudden faith in Christ spread all across this nation. At one of those times, much like today, when America seemed to be all confused and losing its values. And, and the Lord did an amazing thing. 
If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go. Mostly, though, it's the story of a young man named Greg Laurie who came to know the Lord during those days. He was a young man who had become lost in the drug culture of the late 60s and early 70s. And he'd become a part of the hippie movement that crossed America. And he found himself really confused about where do you find meaning and direction in life. And, and then he encountered some of these folks who had come to Jesus, became a part of the Jesus movement. And Christ began to move in his heart and open his eyes up and he began to see things and serve things and reach people. And a time came finally when a pastor came to him and said, look, I just bought an empty building. And if you want it, you can have it. You can begin a church there. And he did. He called it Harvest Church in Riverside, California. Now that's very meaningful to me. You know why? Not just because the movie was exciting, because it is. Not just because I remember that those were, that was the season in my own life when my personal walk with Jesus became very, very real to me. That was very important to me because Greg Laurie went on and he established Harvest Church and he served Harvest Church and he's still pastoring Harvest Church. It's exciting to me because I've read his books for years and years. I went back Friday and looked on my bookshelves and I counted nine of his books that are sitting on my bookshelves and they're powerful books that lead us to follow Jesus in more personal, more special ways. It's exciting to me because I was seeing the story of Greg Laurie when it first started and recognizing and 50 years later, he is still being faithful. That's powerful, isn't it? And that's what Jesus is calling all of us to do. He is saying, are you ready to go the distance? Are you going to commit yourself to me? And that's where you're going to establish yourself. And you're going to be faithful. And sometimes it's going to be easy. And sometimes it's going to be hard. And sometimes you're going to be confused. But you're still going to hang in there and trust the Lord. And that's what Jesus asked the first man. Are you willing to commit yourself to me and follow me for the rest of your life? There was a second man that day that Jesus talked to, and he had a question as well. And his question was this, are you willing to listen to my call? And then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. First glance, that seems so cold-hearted, doesn't it? Couldn't Jesus at least give this man time enough to go home and be part of his own father's funeral? Did it have to be right now? And this is what you need to understand. That's not what was going on at all. When this man encountered Jesus, Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. His question was this, can I wait till my father dies and then I'll follow you? See, the truth is, this man's father was not dead at the time. He probably wasn't even sick. 
What he was really saying to Jesus was, listen, let me go back home and I'm going to take my time because I need to be there when my father dies so I can make sure that everything's set aside and everything's squared away. And once I've gotten everything done, then I'll follow you. It's the wrong thing to say to a Savior who's on his way to the cross. It's the wrong thing to say to the Savior of, look, I'm going to do this. I mean to do this. I'm serious about doing this. I'm just not going to do it right now. I've got other things that are important to me. I've got other priorities in my life. But when the time comes, then, then I'll follow you. But here's the thing. The call of Jesus is never about following him someday. It's all about following him today. Jesus said to this man, you go and preach the kingdom of God. And that was an imperative command. You get out there and you do what you need to do right now. Reminds me of the command in 2 Corinthians 6.2 where the Bible says, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Not will you follow me Someday, not will you trust me when the time feels right, not will you listen to my call and follow me when it's more convenient. It is, what about right now? I was on a Zoom call this past Wednesday afternoon with the other trustees of the International Mission Board. We had been asked to do a called meeting together because we were considering asking a man named Jeff Yin to change roles within the International Mission Board. Up until this point, Jeff has been the leader of the missionaries in the Americas, and he's kind of been over all of the folks serving in Central and South America. But they were asking him to move back home, to come back to Richmond become the vice president of mobilization for the IMB. They asked Jeff to share his testimony, and one of the things he said was, it was a real struggle for me to agree to do this. I thought I would spend the rest of my days serving out as a missionary in South America. I never really thought about leaving the field to come back and do something from International Mission Board headquarters. Then he said something that really stirred me. He said, we're ready to stay and we're ready to go. He said, I told the Lord a long time ago that my yes is on the table. All he has to do is fill in the blank. Well, that's strong, isn't it? My yes is on the table. Lord, you don't have to tell me what to do and then I'll say, I'll consider it. You just tell me what to do. My yes is on the table. You know, that's a challenge that's not just for missionaries and it's not just for people in ministry. That's a challenge for every one of us as a believer. God has a special plan for each one of us. God has people each of us can touch. All he wants to know is, if I call you, will you do it? Is your yes on the table? See, I think when we enter eternity, 
a lot of people are going to find themselves in hell who always assumed they would be in heaven because they meant to make that decision one day and time ran out they never got around to trusting him till it was eternally too late they really need to hear now is the accepted time now yes Lord it's on the table there was a third man he met that day and he asked him a question as well and his question was this will you make an unbreakable commitment another said Lord I'll follow you but let me first go and bid uh, them farewell who are at my house but Jesus said to him no one having uh, put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Man had good intentions, but Jesus knew what would happen. If you go back home to say goodbye, I'll probably never see you again. You'll go home and you'll begin to think about things you need to do and whether your decision was a hasty decision and you'll get used to things the way they've always been and you'll never make that commitment to me. His intentions were good, but his commitment was weak. Read a story last week about one of Japan's kamikaze pilots during World War II. You remember kamikaze pilots? These were the suicide pilots that arose toward the end of the Second World War. It was kind of one of those times when Japan began to realize they were probably not going to win this war, but they could inflict as much damage as possible, and they enlisted a group of pilots in fighter planes who were called the kamikazes and the kamikazes would take their planes up as high as they could go in the air and then they would find an American carrier or battleship or cruiser and they would just aim their plane toward the middle of that ship and the idea was I will give my life away inflicting as much damage as possible and there was one man who was particularly passionate about becoming a kamikaze pilot he was willing to do anything for the emperor and anything for his nation and the day came when he finally had his opportunity and he joined uh, a squadron of kamikazes and they took off into the air they wiggled their wings toward the ship as they left kind of a sign of commitment and then they disappeared into the sky for about an hour and this dot showed up coming back toward his own ship and they recognized it was this particular pilot and he came back to his carrier and he landed the ship and he told them I had mechanical problems I couldn't complete the mission but I'm ready and the day came and he got in another plane and he took off again and guess what happened disappeared into the sky came back and landed yet again once again something's wrong with my airplane this is the honest truth and he took off and he landed 11 times without ever giving his life away for the emperor in fact he lived to the age of 93 what was his problem he was willing to say what he was going to do but he wasn't willing to do what he was supposed to do it's one thing to make a commitment it's another thing to follow through 
And Jesus calls us to look ahead and never behind. Lord, I'm willing to come. I'm willing to go. I'm not going to say to you, let me go back home for a little while. Let me back up. Let me look back. I'm going to look toward what you're calling me to. We're called to put our hand to the plow and follow him. There's a verse in the Bible that's been with me most of my life. Maybe I thought about it the other day because of that film that I watched. It's Romans 11:28, where the Bible says, For the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. Now, that's the way the New King James says it, and it's powerful. But when I found that verse for the first time, when I memorized it, for the first time and began to carry it with me for a lifetime it came from the old good news for modern man translation and you have to be a particular age to remember that that's the you remember the bible that had like looked like a newspaper on the front and it had little stick figures inside and it taught you a lot about how to follow jesus this is how the good news version quotes Romans eleven twenty nine. it says for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance the gifts and callings of God are without repentance what does that mean to me that says God will never be sorry he called you out and we should never be sorry we committed our lives to him so let me ask you some questions this morning have you counted the cost and decided to follow Jesus? Are you willing to listen when he leads? Have you put your yes on the table? Are you ready to make an unbreakable commitment to Christ? If so, then today is your day. Today is the day. When you make the decision to follow. One of the things that I think is very interesting about this particular passage of scripture. And these three men who encountered Jesus. Is this. The Bible never tells us what they decided to do. The Bible doesn't say whether all three decided it was worth it to follow Jesus. It doesn't tell us whether there were two of them that were willing or one. And the others turned around. It doesn't tell us. And I think there's a reason for that. And I think the reason is because each one of us need to encounter him just exactly the same way those three men did. Are you willing to do what you have to do to follow his call on your life? Maybe today you're here and you need to be saved. You need to trust Christ for the very first time. And I'd be glad to meet you and introduce you to him. Maybe there's something very particular in your life where you know God is at work in you and you just need to say yes and follow where he leads. Maybe today he's bringing you to be part of First Baptist, plant your membership right here in this place, serve him through this place. Is there a decision that you need to make? We're going to stand, we're going to sing an invitation hymn as God speaks to you, you come. Let's stand together. Let's sing.
Let me ask you to be seated again just for a minute. Zoe, come stand with me. A few weeks ago, our young people went away to a Disciple Now event together, and in the midst of it, there was a call, an invitation to receive Jesus. And Zoe went forward there, and Amanda joined her and talked to her about what it meant to follow Jesus. And Zoe made that decision and prayed and asked Jesus into her heart, became a believer. I had a privilege of going over to her house a few days later and we talked more about what the Lord had done in her life and she shared with me about what Christ had done, about how some years back she had made a commitment as a little child but not really understood what she had done. But this time you know exactly what you've done, don't you? And you've received Jesus as your Savior and you're going to follow him as your Lord. And she comes to profess her faith in Jesus and to follow him in baptism and to live for him for a lifetime. And if you want Zoe to know how excited you are about the decision that she has made, you say amen. amen. And that's the church saying we're excited about what Jesus has done in your life and what he's going to do in your life. And we're looking forward next Sunday we're going to have her baptism. And that's going to be a really special time. And we're just looking forward to joining you in that. This has been exciting. We're going to ask her in just a minute to go up to the lobby so you can come by and visit her and let her know that you're proud of her and praying for her and all that the Lord has done in her life. And, and I'll just ask her mom and dad if y'all will help her go out to the lobby so you can come speak to her in a minute. Zoe, we're so proud of you. Why don't you go ahead and you go with your folks and y'all go to the lobby. And that's really what we're all about, isn't it? We're all about seeing souls change for eternity. And so proud that Zoe's accepted Christ. So grateful for Amanda who is right there with her to, to help her make that decision for Jesus. Let's stand together now. We'll have a final prayer and then one last song as we're dismissed. Father, we do pray. Lord, we lift Zoe up to you and ask you, Lord, to walk with her as she walks with you. So, Father, help her to know your presence and your companionship every day. And, Lord, to help her to be obedient and following you. And, Father, we want to pray for all of us. Help us, Lord, to put our yes on the table so that you can do anything you want to do through our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Sure.